Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Oh, what a fantastic evening. I said fantastic. Yeah, what's fantastic? I don't know. Ah, that's I don't a good know. one. I imagine it's like a completely different level above fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Like a, a quick fantastic. Exactly. It's yeah. like you live life on the edge. You max it out every time. I like it. You go through your fantasticness in a much more accelerated pace. Hey, I'm into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Wanted to ask you, Jen, you're a female. This is speaking to all females out there. I'm a guy. I'm always looking to find out a little bit more about how women perceive men. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the old leave behind? A leave behind. Yeah. So like a, a marketing piece, like marketing material? No, in terms of a relationship. Uh. No, not really. You can take a few guesses before I tell you what it is. A leave behind. Yeah, the old leave behind, not just any leave behind. Oh, oh, the so, old leave behind. Yeah, so when you say so this it. makes me sound like, <laughs> oh man, I should know this then yeah. if it's if it's old. Yeah, yeah, they've been using it for a long time, or at least I imagine. This is the reason why it's coming up in conversation, because I'm not too sure. So I'll okay. give you a couple of guesses as to what the leave behind is. I mean... I don't know when I think leave behind because, you know, I worked in pharmaceutical sales for so long. We would, that's what we called our marketing pieces was leave behinds. Uh -huh. So that way, you know, after we left, the doctor could be like, oh, this drug. Yeah. You know, no, you're leave behind. But in relationships. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. So leave behind is like when you're dating somebody, uh -huh. right? it can go both ways where it's like that woman or that man wants to make absolutely sure that they've sort of marked their territory. So when they come over, oh, they so leave they leave like something behind. their shit behind, yeah. like underwear yeah. or you know, a toothbrush or something. Girls do that all the time. Really? Yeah. Have you done the old leave behind? I haven't, um, not intentionally. I mean, I've done it on accident. So it's an unconscious thing. It's an unconscious thing, but I feel like anytime I've done it on accident, the guy thought that I was just trying to be sneaky. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that's how I see it. I, yeah. I have my own experience with the old leave behind. Old leave behind, But yeah. you know, like I I always enter into relationships or dating with the intention of being with that person. Yeah. You know, so, you know, the old leave behind is more affirming to me than anything else. You know, I found an old leave behind um, uh, at a guy's house that I was actually actively dating. Like really? it was my boyfriend uh, and I found a leave behind from another girl. Yeah. And this was so gross. It was her fake eyelashes. Oh really? Yeah. And that, she pulled those bitches off and left them on the counter. I can't believe that he didn't even notice them. I, that, yeah. yeah. I think there's a list Ew. of things that can qualify as leave behind because I think the intention not only is to reinforce this feeling like, okay, this is my person, yeah. but you also want to leave a, like a gentle, mindful reminder to your partner so that they can remember you. Yeah. And I feel like eyelashes, you know, Yikes. I don't know that that sort of qualifies. I'd imagine no. like something more like maybe your underwear or like a nice shirt or. Yeah. Yeah. Perfume. Yeah. A toothbrush is like, I think the most common thing. A toothbrush? Yeah. Oh, that is a, you're making a huge statement when you leave a toothbrush behind. I think so too. You know, cause it's almost so. like when you're with somebody for long enough and you feel comfortable enough to take a piss in the restroom with them actually in it in with it. you. Yeah. Brushing your teeth is a pretty intimate endeavor. Yeah, I mean, but it's also like necessary. You got to brush your yeah. teeth at night and in the morning yeah. if you're sleeping over anywhere. That's true. You don't want to wake up with sweaters on your teeth. Right, right. No, no, you can definitely yeah. brush your teeth. But I mean, it's like there are things that you 
it's okay for them not to see. Yeah. You can be a little bit more discreet about yeah, when you I leave agree. like a toothbrush in somebody's restroom. That's like saying like, Hey, I'm planning on fucking living here one day. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've experienced my share of leave behinds. Wanted to know what your perspective on that is. And what it seems to be is like a collective thing that people do. Yeah. And with good reason. I feel like it's like you say, it's an unconscious thing. Some people just for, some people just leave their shit around. Yeah. You know? I mean, some people are just messy, right? Yeah. And we're not good at keeping up with their stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I, I clear a drawer for them and I you keep do? their old leave behind items there. You know, that's, um, that's actually, uh, a tactic from the secret. Oh, really? Is if you want a relationship to, or, and you're trying to manifest a, a relationship in your life that yeah. you're supposed to not park. Like if you have a garage, you're supposed to park on one side and allow enough room for their car to be in the garage with yours. Um, you're not supposed to sleep in the middle of the bed. You're supposed to sleep on one side. Yeah. You're supposed to clean a drawer out for them um, in your dresser mm-hmm. and um, leave some space in the closet. So it's uh, allowing space in your life for that person. Oh, so the goal is to going through those motions is affirming probably the, the continuity of that person in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the law of attraction is you're trying to attract them by doing these sort of rituals. Yeah. By, um, by pretending that they're already there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's definitely worthy to do. I'm going to start thinking about doing that. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Yeah. So this came up, uh, me and Jim were talking about, I think the, the aspect of relationships have come up. Uh, we did a last episode where we talk a little bit about that, but mainly because it's strange times right now, strange times in that we're all, we're going through a lot of change, but also the way that people date and, you know, enter into relationships is also different with the advent of things like online dating and zoom calls as a mm-hmm. first date and having to know how to navigate through that isn't always so obvious. Yeah. I mean, when I started dating, there was no such thing as online dating. Yeah. There definitely weren't any apps. Yeah. I mean, the the only online dating that was like available was eHarmony and Match.com. Yeah. And that was kind of embarrassing. You didn't want to tell anybody that you were on Match. Yeah. Even though a lot of people were on Match, nobody really talked about it. That's true. You know? And it seems sort of like a, a socially acceptable thing. Yeah. You know, they ask like, what type of music you listen to? It's like, hey, what kind of online dating app do you use? Yeah. And everybody, you know, I, I get a lot of insight from other people that have used those apps, but it seems to be more widely accepted. Yeah, I, I think that people have really opened up their mind to it. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of good things that come out of that. I've met people on these dating apps and I've had a lot of success, but yeah. you also hear those stories about people that have used them and experienced their share of what I would consider toxic masculine, toxic femininity. Oh, yeah. And um, when I hear those <laughs> stories, it's always really interesting to me. Um, at least for me, from my Libra perspective, you kind of get an idea of where humanity is headed based off of the relationships that people have. Mm-hmm. And so you hear these stories from other people, especially mo- ma- mainly horror stories of, uh, I have a lot of um, female friends, horror stories of what they've experienced with other men mm-hmm. and vice versa. Oh yeah. You hear it from men as well, you know. And one of my friends actually forwarded me this really interesting document last week <laughs> that I wanted to bring onto the podcast. Um because it was interesting, I I couldn't believe that somebody would actually do this. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to like weigh out the pros and the cons to this. Although obviously from my perspective is definitely a con. Yeah. So there's this girl that is really upfront and open about uh, her relationships and how she connects with people on Tinder. Mm -hmm. And we all know that Tinder is more of like a hookup app, or at least that's what they say. Yeah. So people are, aren't, you know, they're, they're very honest about what it is that they're looking for on there. So you Mm -hmm. 
more or less kind of know what you're going to get. Yeah. But she has something called a coochie consultation form. Okay. Have you heard of a coochie consultation form? You know, sadly, <laughs> I have heard of a coochie consultation form, not in those words, but no, no, I have uh, uh, context clues I can pick up what this is about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she could have been, at least this person could have been a little bit more eloquent in her delivery. Yeah, yeah. Right, because it's not just a standard survey monkey questionnaire. This was somebody that just straight up um, was as, you know, dense and upfront as possible. So the coochie consultation, there's two, there's two. There's a coochie consultation request form. Okay. And then there's a coochie consultation. Um, how was your coochie consultation? Which I imagine is something that happens after the fact. Okay. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the request form is, is, and I'll go over, I'm going to read this over. I'm, sur I'm certain we can find some sort of spiritual underpinning here, both good and bad, but it's a questionnaire. Coochie consultation request form. And it says, honesty is the best policy. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, you know, you can put in your name. And then the, the first one is, do you like getting head? And in the first option, I mean, who doesn't like that? Exactly, right? And she wants to get down to very specifics. Okay. Um, right. Hell, hell yeah, say less. And then the other second option is I'm good either way. And the third option is no, not really. Okay. Okay. And then the second the the second one on here is do you like giving head? And the first the first option and these are like something that you put in a scantron when you're a kid and you're filling out the circle. Yeah. You know. You just you put a, maybe a disclaimer in here that says that if you circle outside of the line, the Scantron won't scan the answer. Oh my God, wouldn't that be hilarious if she had so much business that she had a Scantron machine? Yeah, she had to put it in the Sam Scantron. <laughs> that she had to send it back like, oh, you're, you, you didn't fill in the circle correctly. You can have to do this over again. Yeah, you have to use a number two pencil. The number two pencil only. Yeah, only. Yeah. No ink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no ink. So the first one on the do you like get head one is monch monch, tis the season for giving. <laughs> the second option is do you do don't really care if you ask me for it i'll give it and then the, the last option is nope not my thing okay and i'll go i'm going over all these real quick so we can talk about them afterwards and then it has a an option for positions okay and there are asterisks here so there are some questions on here that are optional okay and some of them that absolutely must be filled out okay got it all right so the position options are doggy missionary cowgirl spooning all of the above and another fill in the blank okay you know for the the creative types that don't have um these options covered and then what are you into option one plain good old sex missionary doggy style let's add some spice choking slapping and full send anal and handcuffs etc oh okay right? and then uh this is actually the first time i've read the act the whole thing I don't, I'm almost done, but I only read like the first couple and I was like, this is, you're like, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. This is the world that we live in. And then do you have your own place to do the deed? Oh <laughs> my God. That is such a relevant question though. It is. I mean, it was an asterisk. So especially now during COVID, a lot of people have had a change in living circumstances. So. Yeah. Like it said, no, sorry. And then second option is, yep. And then third option is it's complicated. This will have to be explained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, length of size doesn't always matter. It's the motion of the ocean. So she asks for she asks for uh the size in inches. Yeah. Right? So there are a few options for that. Oh, everybody lies about that. Come on. Yeah. It's like height. And then Snapchat IG. So you have to give your your IG handle so that she knows that you're real and you're not a creeper. Right. Right. And then what are you expecting out of this experience? The first option is food, conversation, sex. Second option is small talk, then let's bang it out. 
<laughs> and then the third option is let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. To defeat the Huns? Yeah. I'm not I, sure I, I understand that Yeah, one. I don't know what that one is too. It might be like an inside joke sort of thing. And then the last thing is something you think I should know about you. And then your answer. And there's actually a submit button here. You can submit. Oh, so this is an online form? Yeah, it's actually a Google Doc. When wow, looking at okay. it, it's, a, it's a Google form. So, What does um, she do with this market so very, research? So very professional of her to do that. And I'm just going to read, I'm just going to look over the, how was your coochie consultation form really quick. It says, how was the head on a scale of one to five, lowest being lame, highest being immaculate. Mm -hmm. And then I, I apologize, guys. I, the only reason why I wanted to bring this up is because, you know, the truth is out there. Well, not, not the truth, but like, this is, this is as direct and as real as it gets. This is real life shit. This like, is this real is, life shit. Yeah. This is actually happening yeah. right now in the dating Someone world. Someone created this document and it is out here in the universe for us to talk about on this exactly. podcast. Exactly. And then the, the other option is, is wetness, question mark, dry as, the lowest option one being dry as the Sahara, damn, get some lube. <laughs> <laughs> and then five being moister than an oyster. Okay. Okay. And then tightness, hot dog in a hallway being the lowest one. Yeah. And then five, uh, gorilla grip pussy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like how you're blushing. This is hilarious. Sense of humor. Um, and then the other option is, am I blushing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> what did you enjoy about this experience? Uh, four options. One being choking, second, dirty talk, chatting, the whole damn experience. And level of disrespect, which I don't understand this. It, there's the one of the questions is level of disrespect lowest being um i'd rather not no choking no slapping and then five being let's tie this bitch up okay so i think it's it's uh what if there was any intensity yeah right a rating system for intensity like was yeah. it too intense like uh did you not like the fact that she choked you out while you were orgasming? Yeah. You know it's like she they're they're rating her level of intensity of intensity got it or okay maybe kinkiness or whatever okay. All right. and then uh, would you repeat and she says yeah sure and no nah, i'm good thanks though <laughs> oh <laughs> she says, thanks though thanks though yeah and then comments questions concerns your answer and then the old submit form i don't know who this is going to but uh this person obviously has an administrative position in her life um that yes. involves having to create spreadsheets mm -hmm. and maybe moderating a survey monkey account but I imagine there, there's, this is the reason why I wanted to talk, talk about this because I can appreciate the honesty. Yeah. And I think a lot of the difficulty and uh, the challenges that come up, especially in online dating that people go through as far as like that toxicity has to do with a lack of communication and dishonesty oh, about what great. your intentions are. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And you could, you could, you know, you can get by with a lot by just being honest about what your true intentions are in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she's coming up and she's like, hey, I have this coochie consultation form. Yeah. And she gets down to specifics. Yeah. There's something to respect about that. Right. But it is also toxic masculinity at its like finest. At its finest. That is a perfect example of yeah. toxic, toxic masculinity. Right. So it's yeah. like, what do you think that she would need that type of information for? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, what, what are you going to do with this? Like, what, yeah. this isn't like a product that you can improve, right? right? Well, I guess I'm, well, maybe I guess in, in a way you could improve it, but you know. And I think that's what, what are you doing with this market research. I think that's what you're saying. It's like yeah. we're, she's looking at it in the same way that people would look at an object. Right. Right. Like, how can we improve this MacBook Pro or how can mm -hmm. we improve the speed of your Wi Fi connection? Right. They're looking at you like you are an, an artificially intelligent 
creature that right. doesn't have feelings and you're doing a service, strictly a service for them, mm-hmm. or they're doing a service for you. For you. She's objectifying yeah. herself. Right. You know, so. And that's like, that's the catch 22. Like this to me says, screams daddy issues all over it. Yeah. You know, but then at the same time, like maybe she just really enjoys this. I don't know. And the reason why she kind of in some ways gets a pass is because she's being open and upfront and honest. Yeah. And if you're being open and upfront and honest with anybody that you meet on Tinder, they know what they're getting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You can't say I didn't told you so. Right. You know, so I can see it from that perspective, but it doesn't contribute to, you know, a wholesome sort of like real connection. Right. Unless you're somebody that is down for that type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, so she gets a pass for just being open and upfront, but it definitely is toxic masculine trait. Oh, totally. And it does speak to almost like this, this wanting and needing validation. Like there are just some things that are just better left to mystery mm-hmm. and things that are some, some things that are just better left to, um, you know, chalking it up as like an experience. The fact that she needs to know every single specific little thing about her performance speaks to a large insecurity and maybe a low self-esteem. A hundred percent. And I'm curious to know how old she is because this to me sounds like a much younger person. 22. That makes sense. Right. This makes sense. Right. So she's thinking like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sound cool if I beat a guy to the punchline and I'm more masculine than he is, right. so then I can't get hurt. Yeah. So this makes this makes sense to me. Yeah. This makes sense to me. Yeah, and that's even more scary because me and you happen to be older. Yeah. And we were part of obviously a very different type of generation. Mm-hmm. And when I was sent this to me, um, there've been way too many times where somebody has sent something to me that came from you know a generation past the millennials where ended up hap- happening to be um, a socially acceptable thing. Like, this is something people do now. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. a very dangerous thing. Oh, um, yeah. It's super dangerous. It's all fun and games till somebody gets an STD or pregnant. Yeah. You know? And at the same time, it's like, it asks for your name. I, if you're intelligent, you probably wouldn't put your name down, but it's incriminating too. They can use that information against you. A hundred percent. You know? So, yeah, that, re- that reminds me of a story. I actually know a guy that um, created an app and it's... Uh, I don't remember the name of it. I think it's called Black Book. I'm mm-hmm. not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, and it, But it was, um, it had people's names and you could rate sexual partners if you ever hooked up with that person. You could submit them, you know, and submit a rating on them. And then they would go into this database and other people could search your name and yeah. check out your rating. Um, but it didn't say, it wasn't like Yelp where you could see, you know, the person who was rating you. Yeah. So it's all anonymous. Yeah. Um, which is... An interesting theory, right? Um, it, but it's horrible whenever people use that as a tool to sabotage another person. Like yeah. maybe you have a crazy ex and then they put your name in there and they're like zero, 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 smallest dick ever. And oh, you know, yeah. it's more like a hate crime. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's definitely interesting. And I wanted to open that up to basically just a conversation about um, online dating, but also toxic masculine, toxic femininity. And it seems to be sort of a lot more widespread now, but at the same time on the opposite side of the coin, you have a lot more movements, a lot more um, movements out there that are sort of combating this. You have Mm -hmm. Sacred Sons Mm -hmm. and Sacred Sons is a men's group. And um, I've actually gone to um, a lot of their um, events, but also dialed into their Zoom calls. It's basically a bunch of men that have the collective goal of healing their 
inner child and healing the little boy inside of them so that they can better show up as a man for not even just the woman in their life, but just for themselves in general. Mm -hmm. And it's a really progressive, innovative thing because um, as a man, you didn't have a whole lot of that growing up. It was always about, you know, uh, men face a lot of pressure in the same way in varying, varying different ways, women also face a lot of pressure. But for a man, I'd grown up with this idea that like men needed to be strong. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have feelings. They couldn't express their feelings openly. And if you did, then you'd be seen as weak. Right. And I've, I've experienced that pressure from both men and women. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're younger, you don't you know quite know what the difference is. But as you get older, you realize how toxic that really is. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. The Sacred Sons group is this men's group that goes through a lot of different exercises to teach you how to embody both your male and your female energy because that is what constitutes a divine masculine man. Right. So from a female's perspective, I'm seeing a lot of these goddess groups um, of women kind of gathering together to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But from a female perspective, right. which is healing you know, the, those traumas and those wounds that they've experienced at the hands of other men mm -hmm. and healing the relationship with you know, maybe a toxic masculine figure in their life and healing from really traumatic experiences that they may have gone through, um, you know, when they were young, maybe, yeah. uh, you know, sexual experiences or mm -hmm. things that cause that sort of trauma. I mean, yeah. And in this to me, if I had to take a guess, um, this 22 year old girl that has this coochie consultation out, um, probably has suffered some type of sexual abuse in her life. Right. You know, um, how do you think that ties together? Too. Like with the sexual abuse and the, the, the needing to have or want validation like that through a document. You know, I, I don't know. I just know that there's a correlation between hypersexuality and sexual that's, abuse as a child. That's true. Um, and there is, there is a lot of data that supports that, but um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know any further rationale yeah. other than that. You know, the interesting thing, and that's a really good thing that you bring up is over uh, the pendulum swinging really far in each direction. Yeah. Like hypersexualized women is a thing now in mainstream media. And it's the same thing, I think, for men. The yeah. standards are so unbelievably high nowadays. And it we really have are. things like Instagram and social media that set the standard for us, but also for children. Yeah. And so we're growing up with these impossible sort of standards and this impossible perspective of like how a man should look, mm -hmm. how a woman should look. Oh, yeah. And that's designing the way that we see potential partners. Right. You know, and I, um, I've thought about this and if we don't get this sort of thing checked, well, the potential risk is that we'll run into a sort of like uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation. Oh, for sure. Right. Which I've been, yeah. I've been kind of following. I don't follow a too much of oh, yeah. uh, celebrity gossip, but it came up in a conversation because uh -huh. when you think of Johnny Depp, he was uh, somebody from my childhood and he's a, you know, uh, just a, a figure in pop culture. Oh yeah. And Huge. I heard the story behind, you know, what happened between him and Amber Heard and them having all these fights and altercations. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yes. And, and <laughs> a friend of mine is his attorney. So the, the, um, the perspective I'm taking yeah. is that she's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to say, right. You know, my grandma always says, believe nothing that you hear and only half of what you see. Yeah. Um, and especially when it comes to matters of the heart and in relationships, you, you just, you never know, you never know go, what goes on behind closed doors and, 
you know, there's attorneys involved and yeah. money and lies and media. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way to know what the real truth is. Yeah, there's no way to know. And yeah. I've, I've listened to the, the telephone conversations between them. Oh, yeah. And uh, the, the videos and just her behavior in general, which yeah. seems to be really unstable. Really unstable, just yeah, kind of yeah. erratic. Just very erratic, very unstable, has that sort of cluster B type of on the spectrum personality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the... Johnny Depp, he may very well be that. But the whole point bringing all of this up is that it's led to a really huge imbalance in how men and women show up for each other in relationships. Yeah. You, you know, know, there's a there's a book, um, and I haven't read it, but it would be, I think it would be a good book to read. It's by Jack Myers. It's called The Future of Men, Masculinity in the 21st mm-hmm. Century. And what what this book kind of talks about is what masculinity looks like now. You know, there's so many more guys that are staying at home to be stay at home dads, which was like almost unheard of before. And, um, and kind of like the shift of feminism, right. And how feminism is such a hot topic. And, um, and women aren't just talking about it. They're putting action behind it. So um, I was just reading uh, some of the statistics that he quoted was um, that as as you graduate from college, um, more jobs are requiring a college degree, right? And um, 40% of college degrees are um, going to men versus 60% that are going to women. So mm. that's a complete flip from what it was in the 70s. So yeah. now more women are, are getting college degrees than men, which I thought was really interesting. And economically speaking, um, uh, for people under 30, single and unmarried women are actually out-earning yeah. Um, their male counterparts yeah. that are single and unmarried, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And they're outnumber they're um, they're outnumbering um, that by almost twenty percent. Yeah, so which women, seems like a lot. Yeah, women are gonna they're taking over, and I think a lot of that is a result of the fact that a lot of women are just getting tired. Mm-hmm. And then there are also men like myself that are supporting that those movements. Like I understand, I have a lot of female friends that. All throughout my life, especially growing up when I was in uh, high school, a lot of my friends were female. And one after the other, I'd always just hear stories about men that just did the most terrible things to them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was one of those people that they'd come to. And um, I'm also a man. So it confused me because I wanted to embody my masculinity, but I couldn't relate to men because I just identified them as being these big assholes. Right. So it, it... sort of like led to an interesting path for me growing up, but um, it doesn't surprise me that now we're getting to a place, especially because um, gender equality and women's rights and feminism is coming more into the forefront now. They have more of a voice. It doesn't surprise me that the tables are kind of turning, mm-hmm. you know? And what I think, when I think of like gender roles, um, just from the start, men and women should be treated equally. Men and women should get paid equally. Um, but I try and look back to kind of how all of this started, right? So all of this started with, um, I imagine like Homo sapiens thousands or hundreds of years ago where men were hunter gatherers and women, they were only seen as weak, mainly because there was a certain period of time when they were um, pregnant with kids where they had to stay at home or they had to sort of shelter and they had to be protected Mm -hmm. because if you're not protected when you're pregnant, it leaves you vulnerable to being attacked. Right. And I think for the most part, the hunter-gatherer thing, to me, didn't just start with the men. Uh, most Everybody knows what they need to survive, so everybody needs to be able to hunt and be able to eat and things like that. But I think that whole gender inequality thing came into the field is when it came into like farming. Yeah, you oh know, yeah. It came into farming where men were out 
um, working and because women, of course, still had to maintain the lives of their children and also be pregnant, they were more prone to doing work on the inside of the house. But there was a difference. Uh, they communicated. I imagine there was a, a really strong communication there as to what the contribution was. Oh, for sure. It wasn't this feeling of like, you're inferior, so you need to stay home. Yeah. It was this collaboration that took place. Right. And I think that's one of the most important things um, about this is about communication, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the toxic thing about masculinity now from both perspectives is that uh, how people define strength, right? right? Yeah. And, and it seems that in some feminist groups that what they see as strength is doing everything that a guy can do, almost as a way to prove to them that they're worthy and that they're strong enough. Right. And to me, that isn't the, the greatest example that you can give of strength because you're saying that those softer sides of you, mm-hmm. those vulnerable sides of you, these emotional sides of you don't count. Right. So what I actually define strength as is your ability to tap into both your masculine and your feminine energies. Mm-hmm. And I see women in a lot of ways as, um, and I, this isn't a, a contest as to who is better than the other, but it is a very strong a radically strong thing to be in touch with your feelings. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's you know I really struggle with the word feminism because I feel like it's changed and it's evolved over time into something that I just like can't identify with. It's too yeah. extreme, you know. I in my mind, whenever I was younger and I would call myself a feminist, you know, it's in my mind, it was working toward equality for women, not superiority. Right. And now feminism has evolved into being superior to men. And I don't think that that was the original intent. It was just like, hey, you know, we're just here to challenge the systemic inequalities that, that we're facing in the workplace. Right, the patriarchy. Socially. Yeah. Um, but not to not to be superior, you right. know. Like I think both both genders should be treated equally. Right. I think like what you said, quality versus superiority. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it totally makes sense. Like it, when I think back, um, and when I retrospect about this whole thing, I think of um, how we all have a sort of primitive brain. There's this sort of left right hemisphere that nature sort of exemplifies in us, which is we have our left and our right sides of our brain hemispheres. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're both responsible for two different things. One of them is for logical thinking. The other one is more creative. Mm-hmm. And we have that sort of balance in everything in life in the same way that we have a left democratic side and then we have a Republican right side. In, right. in, in a lot of ways, you can say that those are almost like the right and left hemispheres of the brain. Some of them are a little bit more conservative. The other ones are a little bit more progressive. Right. So it seems that like we have both polarities and the same thing with divine or masculine feminine traits. One can be seen as strong. The other one can be seen as strong just in a different way. So I think it comes down to definition. Yeah. Right. So we start on our journey at the root chakra, which is our survival. And maybe at that point, we haven't yet awakened to that spiritual aspect of ourselves. So we are, we succumb to more of the bodily functions Mm -hmm. of who we are. We, we succumb to, just needing shelter, needing to eat something, mm-hmm. and needing to procreate. Yeah. And that's the reference that people normally, um, in that sort of argument of people that are more conservative, it's like, oh yeah, these are th- these conservative gender roles are how things were, this is how things need to be now. But I think what happens is spirituality enters into the field. As you go from your root up to your sacral and up to your solar plexus and up to your heart, you start to awaken to a different type of energy. And that energy can perceive those primitive functions. And once it awakens to itself, then 
it doesn't need to work in just sort of an animalistic primitive way anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you can break out of those sort of definitions of left and right and male and female. And now you're just looking at it from spirit. Right. But you have to, in order to get to that point, you have to integrate your, you know, when you're a man or a woman, your divine masculine and divine feminine qualities. You have to be super in touch with your feelings, but you also have to be really strong in the fact that you can take care of yourself. And I think once you've arrived to those two places, Mm-hmm. then you in, in let me give you like an example right aliens right <laughs> of course of course I was trying to find a yeah. segue into aliens. I, was, I was like of course we're going to talk about aliens yeah so yeah. aliens when people talk stories about aliens they they're seen as uh mostly small mouse if not no mouse at all because mm-hmm. they don't use their mouths to communicate yeah. they communicate telepathically right. and their eyes which are bigger because they somehow evolved to be able to see more, mm-hmm. but they're also very small. Um, they don't have any hair, and from what I've read, they also don't have reproductive organs, right? Oh yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, no you're reproductive right. organs. So what does that speak to? An evolutionary standpoint is that you know if we don't, you know, no longer talk and we're speaking telepathically, then you naturally lose those things. Right. So I look at it in the same way as like once you awaken to sort of like maybe your divinity within you start evolving and your spirit evolves and what i'm trying to point to is that that sort of hunter gatherer women stays at home is antiquated yeah it is no longer relevant that's not we are waking up to something much more profound Mm -hmm. which is the integration between masculine and feminine energies Mm -hmm. and the reason why those relationships exist from a universal perspective is that we are trying to reinforce and cultivate the really powerful force of God here on earth. Right, yeah. Right, and the perfect example of that is the fact that women can have children. The love that I have for my partner, the love she has for me, can create life. That is the number one indicator that we embody the functions of God. Who was, um, we were talking about this earlier today, what was the name of the guest that Rogan had on his podcast that got abducted by aliens? Oh, the, the guy that got abducted by aliens? Yeah, what's his name? I, I was just I looking a, it up, and I was like, oh, what is this name? I think I actually have a... a okay. His name is Travis Walton. Travis Walton, yeah. So I watched a little the Fire clip. in the Sky guy. Yeah, Fire in the Sky, yeah. So I watched a little clip on, on him, and he was talking about his experience from being abducted and what the aliens look like and just how you described them. No hair, big eyes, yeah. you know. They communicate telepathically. And, um, and he was like, yeah, and they made no expressions like there were no facial expressions and i was i was kind of laughing to myself because their skin is all smooth and i was like yeah that's how i look after i get a face full of botox (laughs) i can't make an expression or i'm all smooth yeah (laughs) so channeling my aliens i I watched that today the one with joe rogan and him yeah and that guy's been around for a long time yeah right that fire in the sky movie came out what in the mid to late 90s yeah and it was one of the most prolific stories of its time. And at the time it came out, it wasn't really widely accepted. I feel like now. Now, yeah, people, people are, are much more open-minded to it. Much more open-minded. But I kind of put him up there with Bob Lazar because he tells a very vivid story of how he was abducted. Yeah. And if you um, go deeper into that interview, long story short, like he was afraid. And the, the cool thing about this interview is he's, he, in years ago after it happened, he thought that possibly the aliens are trying to hurt him. But after he had 40 years to actually think about what happened, yeah. it was his own fear. Yeah. And he realized that those aliens actually probably were there to help him. I mean, they dropped his ass off. Yeah. 
They returned you know, him. They returned you know. him. They didn't have to return him. And they fixed him, and right? They, and they fixed him. What happened was after he initially got afraid and he took something off of the floor, which was like this uh, glass object, and he kind of used that to swing at them. Do you think it was a crystal? It could have been a crystal. Because he described it like a clear, he was like, I don't know, like a clear like spear object. And I was like, I wonder if it was a crystal. Yeah, that was a question Joe Rogan asked. And I wanted to know too, because yeah. I mean, it'd have to be an alien nonetheless, right? right? But he couldn't define it. He said he was more concerned with his fear that he was experiencing. But when they, um, he pushed them over, one, he said that they were really light mm -hmm. and uh, they're almost just like just air, you know? Yeah. So they left and they came back and, I think two people came back that actually were people. Yeah. He said they looked like people anyways. One was tall and they had sort of light hair. And first thought that comes in my mind is like, oh, maybe oh, they were Pleiadians. Pleiadians, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the goal he thought was that maybe they were trying to calm him down by bringing in somebody that looks more Oops. like him. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they returned to him. You know, the interesting thing about that conversation was uh, they were, he was thinking of the reason possible reason why aliens chose that spot in Arizona. That was in Snowflake, Arizona, where that whole thing happened. Okay. And um, they were sort of uh, waxing poetic about the possibilities, but he said that that area got more lightning strikes than m most areas in the world. Interesting. Right. And he was thinking, okay, well, what happens when lightning strikes um, these trees? Uh, it creates this uh, thing called fulgurite. Mm-hmm. And if you see it, you can actually pull it up on the internet. It's like this crystal where the lightning strikes the, the wood mm -hmm. and it creates this, this mineral called fulgurite. Yeah. And it creates these, all these really amazing geometric sort of patterns in this crystal. And a lot of people in the spiritual community look at it in the same way that they look at moldavite. Because mm -hmm. that's kind of what moldavite is. It's, well, no, moldavite's not, not at all a lightning strike, but it's the product of a meteor strike. Yeah. So they automatically feel as though it has these alien type of qualities to it. But he was thinking that maybe they came here to, you know, uh, farm this crystal for oh, okay. use and maybe their spacecraft or something. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but that was, that was just, you know, the, the story that he gave. But yeah, when we were talking about aliens, the reason why that sort of kind of all goes together is that like humans change. Mm -hmm. We evolve. Yeah. There are a lot of people that have these conservative values and it's totally fine to have that. But at some point where your society is evolving spiritually and emotionally, you have to move with it. And I think mm -hmm. the, the progression is going towards equality. Yeah, right? I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. 100% with you on that. Yeah, it, it seems like just the the support that men are getting um, for this change, right? Like as we change from an environment from the woman being the, you know, the subservient one in the house and the man being the leader and the head of the household and how those roles are swapping. It seems like men get so much less support than women get because yeah. churches, local organizations, community groups, like everything is supporting women. There's not anything really that's out there to support men. Yeah. I mean, a, a few things like you, you talked about the sacred sons organization, but you don't hear a lot about that. You know, yeah, it's you like don't. women's shelters. It's, yeah. you know, um, Mother's Day out, how those churches do that, where you can drop drop your kids off and they'll watch them for free, and you know all of, all of that jazz. That's true. So that's true. There's there's while while there are some changes, like I think in the next twenty years we're going to see some major changes in in gender roles. Yeah, but even it, more so than now. Yeah, I think the important thing is that we're talking about it. But mm -hmm. the one thing that I kind of wanted to point up, just being in the spiritual community, is being 
uh, a feminist for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right. And that is the right. one, that is the one reason why people, when they think of feminism, they're like, oh, that's just a crazy feminist that hates men. Yeah. And the reason why that's a conversation is because those are a lot of people you see. Yeah. Because they're yes. the loudest ones. Right. You know, it's in, in I feel like it's kind of like the news though. Anytime something happens in Texas or in Florida, they find the one guy from the swamp with two <laughs> teeth to interview, That's you know, true. as the spokesperson for whatever event happened. Right. And you know, it's like why why do we keep choosing this guy? I don't right. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it you're absolutely right. And but they the extroverted people, I think just statistically are the ones that you know, put their foot forward, you know, faster than anybody else. So the, yeah. the loudest ones you hear first. Right. And especially yeah. for these type of feminist groups where they don't necessarily have one specific leader, there's these loud people that speak on behalf of everybody. Yeah. Right. So I think the, the best, I am all for feminism 100%. And I, you know, as, as a way to contribute to that movement, have done a lot of work on myself in order to heal you know, um, toxic masculine traits inside of me, because if you're part of the Western society, I mean, you're going to invoke those to some degree, right. because everything in media, everything that you're taught teaches you how to separate. There's like a divisive sort of thinking, mm -hmm. like you are different from this woman in all these different ways. Mm -hmm. And men and women have used that as a way to undermine each other's integrity and undermine each other just in general. Right. So you don't want to be a feminist because you hate men. You want to be a feminist because you deeply care about the balance that exists between men and women. Exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah. I knew this girl a long time ago and I'll share like a personal story. And, um, we were living together at the time and, um, she was at one of those divine goddess retreats for women. And it, for those that aren't familiar with these retreats, um, it's a nice safe space. Just like we were talking about those men's and women's group where all the women come together and they talk about different things that they're going through. And they do like yoni steaming and they all <laughs> have their own little rituals and, yeah. you know, they all pull cards. It's just like a nice little social group. Right. And I'm all for that. And uh, one day, well, she was going to be gone for a whole weekend and then she ended up coming back home and I bought some flowers for her and uh, wanted them to be there for when she came home. Yeah. You know, so she came, nice. she came home and uh, there was this, uh, this nest of doves that was above the door in our place. And there was a very sacred, very sort of metaphorical reason as to why they were there, according to her. And also according to me, doves signify a lot of really amazing things. Yeah. Right? And doves are a symbol of love. It's doves are a symbol of love. And so we'd always, um, you know, we, we collaborated and joined together and we always celebrated the fact that they were there because we had these doves at the, the top of the door and they had little babies and they were oh. always there. And, you know, I would do sound healing for them and it was just, whole ordeal mm -hmm. and it was a nice feeling to have that sort of support right. from the sort of animal kingdom yeah it's so awesome one day uh, she comes home and the nest is gone like it just i don't know if it fell on the floor i don't know if maybe the landlord caught it but mm -hmm. the nest was had disappeared yeah and she was really upset by the fact that this happened and rightly so i would too i just didn't know that that's what happened right so she came home just really really upset and she told me what happened and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But she thought I did something. Why would it. she think you did I something? I have no idea. I have that's, no idea. That's crazy. Still tale. to this day, that's just one of those things that's going to go down as an unsolved mystery in my book because still to this day, I don't know why she thought that it would have been me. Yeah. Right? So 
obviously I didn't get a whole lot of miles with the, the flowers. That was sort of like an afterthought. But yeah, the reason why I bring this up is because one, uh, what, what she had shared, uh, when you're going into all of these groups, sometimes you're around a lot of stories that women share about how men have fucked them over somehow. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's going over, I was cheated on, and you're turning to your sisters in order to get advice on what to do. Mm-hmm. And in these men's group, it's the same thing. We share a lot of personal stories, a lot of like really dense emotions. Yeah. Females do the same thing. Right. But what happens if you're not grounded is that you can let those things affect you. And oh, you can yes. leave one of those circles hating men yes, <laughs> and hating women at the same time. Yes, you can. So, you know, uh, on this particular instance, I felt that aggression. Like I yeah. felt that like when she looked into my eyes, that yeah. anger that she felt over, you know, the brothers. Right. And what they had done to these women. Right. And then because I was a man and the only man in the room, I just happened to get the blunt force of that. Yeah. Guilty by association. Guilty by association. Yeah. And I remember just her screaming out, this is why I hate masculine energy out of nowhere. <laughs> and, and, and given, <laughs> like I'm, what? I'm, I'm being 100% honest in the fact that I held space for her. And I was like, what's wrong? Did, did something happen over there? Are you okay? Yeah. Is everything fine? I was holding space in the way that I know, I, I know how. We, yeah. And I know that it wasn't me, but Obviously, she was unloading a lot of different mm-hmm. emotions uh, that she probably inherited or maybe emotions that she were going through. Yeah. And, I'm, I, you know, most of the women in those circles are strong empaths and they, they feel so much when other people are hurting, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're not grounded, just like you said, and you take on those emotions and you take all, all of that negative energy with you, mm-hmm. I can see why why it would bubble up and, and bother her after she was home. Yeah, yeah. And I did my best to hold space and we kind of worked through that situation. But it's so easy. And the reason why I bring it up is it's so easy to get angry. It's so easy because everybody has experienced their fair share of injustices at the hands of the opposite sex. Oh, for sure. And even if I think of a handful of experiences that I've gone through, I mean, it's easy to fall into that and be like, men are assholes and women are bitches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's so easy. And the sad thing is, is that it's, it's so easy that a lot of people unconsciously advocate for that. Like, I've met more people in those groups that are doing it because they hate men than doing it because they want and believe in the dynamic and the the collaboration between the two. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really sad. That's yeah. really sad. Yeah, it is really sad. So I, I think for me, I try, I want to take myself out of the definitions of, of gender roles and really look at kind of like the core of what the real task is at hand, which is acknowledging that both men and women contain both of those energies. We have a feminine side Mm-hmm. We have a masculine side. Yeah. And I think the division comes because people think they need to pick one. Yeah. You don't have to pick one. You're supposed to, you're supposed to embody both. You're supposed to embody both. Yeah. It, it, you know, I catch myself cause I have a lot of masculine energy. Like even in my birth chart, uh, it, I have a lot of masculine. So I have to be really careful because my partner is, um, is a masculine guy too, but I'm also very sensitive. I'm married to a cancer. And he gets his feelings hurt and I have to watch my, watch myself. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like we, we seem to choose partners that contain a quality that we either don't have or we want to strive to get to. Right. Right. Like I, I'm a a lot softer. I'm a 
a Libra sun and a Gemini moon. My planet is Venus. So I've always been that sort of lover, that hopeless romantic. Yeah. And that's got me a long way in my life, but it's also kind of um, sabotaged my relationships in some ways because I can sometimes overly romanticize mm-hmm. situations and people that aren't good for me. Right. You know what I mean? But I've always found myself going after or, or end up with women that were more extroverted. Yeah. You know, and also a little bit more dominant. A little bit more dominant. And that's the yeah. thing is it, it isn't, it isn't a, a thing about being good or bad. Like there are some relationships that just, I, some relationships that I, that I even know that just comfortably work that way. Yeah. It just had, comes down to communication, your shared values, and how you guys work together to balance out that energy. Right. Because there, exactly. there are some women that, you know, they, they love a man to sort of be more assertive and to be more dominant. Mm-hmm. And there are some relationships where the woman, you know, wants to feel like the leader. And it only becomes a toxic thing when those parameters aren't discussed. Right. You know, when those things aren't um, openly communicated, you know. But I find like we, I, I, I find that like we look for, for partners that can teach us how to discover those aspects in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that I've gotten that. Have you gotten that in your relationship? Have, has, has your relationships kind of showed you how to be a little bit more softer? Yeah, yeah, they definitely have um, over the years. And I've, I've gotten some feedback from some partners that, that have told me, you know, like, you're too cold, you're too aloof, <laughs> you know, uh, which is true. And and I see those qualities in myself and, and those are qualities that I know I need to work on. I'm not, a, I'm about as warm and fuzzy as a cactus. You know, cact- I'm just like cactuses not, are pretty warm and fuzzy, though. It, you know, not if you want to, not if you want to bleed. <laughs> That's true. You touch them and you're yeah, yeah. So fucked, basically, yeah. I'm not very, I'm not very warm and fuzzy. Um, they're very so hydrating, though. And they are hydrating. They yeah, help you trip the fuck out. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Also, one of my specialties. <clears throat> yeah. But um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I've definitely had some learnings with with relationships and just taking that constructive feedback from from your past partners if you can still have you know conversations with them and I've been lucky enough to, that all of my relationships have ended in a in a very good healthy way. Yeah, you sent um, them you, did you send them an updated coochie consultation form? Oh, hell no. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That just I'm I'm still um yeah, I'm still a little wrapped around the axle on that one. <laughs> that one's got me a little twisted. Yeah. But yeah, you know, when you were talking about social media earlier, I hate to circle back to this, but um, I was thinking about TikTok because that's like a huge thing with the kids right now, you oh, know? know? And I still don't get it though, by the way. I don't either. I don't understand. I'm too, I, I'm too old and just an old lady on TikTok. I don't think it has anything to do with age. I just don't think that there's a functional reason for it to exist. I mean, like <laughs> I, I get the whole recording a few minutes or a few seconds of video, but what I don't understand is how they use it. You know, because from my experience, I mean, I feel like people get pretty creative with it. Yeah. But I'm seeing a lot more like women in their, you know, mid to late 20s, early 30s, just going on there looking for validation from somebody. Yeah. By just dancing around in their booty shorts and doing this really sort of horribly choreographed dancing. Yes. And yeah, the dances are very popular. And that's what I was going to is you look at these girls in their booty shorts and their low cut tops doing these dances and they're raking in followers so much faster than their male counterparts that are doing the same dance. Right. Right. Like even if your male counterpart is a better dancer than you, you're still not going to have like it. You're still going to have more followers than he is because of the way that you're objectifying yourself. It's true. 
And that's that's a sad truth. Just being as a man, I have my own Instagram and um, social media accounts. And not that my objective is to find as many followers as uh, somebody much bigger, but you can see the inconsistency. You can oh, yeah. see, you can see the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go on one profile and you just see you know two million followers for a girl that just has exclusively just photos of herself dancing around. And I'm all about for you know like creative expression mm-hmm. um i don't draw any lines when it comes to creative expression you can be as creative as you want you can you know be as you know expressive as you want mm-hmm. i'm not ever going to say that anything is bad but i think the difficulty the the part that i see is bad is how it negatively impacts other people right you know because somebody's going to look at that maybe it's like a child that's like you know 10 or 11 years old and they think that they should be doing this or they think that this is what they need to do in order to get these amount of followers. One, we shouldn't be looking for validation through things like social media just in general, Mm -hmm. but that's the world that we're living in. And you know, what's sad is, you know, these younger children that are looking up to these older girls, just like I looked up to older girls when I was younger, like, oh, she's so pretty. Oh, I can't wait to, you know, till I'm older and I have boobs and, you know, X, Y, Z, is that the images that are portrayed now are not real. They're not even real people. I mean, the videos are filtered, Mm -hmm. the photos are filtered to, I don't know, and everybody looks the same. I don't know if you noticed that like all of the, all of the plastic surgery that the girls are getting and all the fillers and all the, you know, everybody looks like Kim Kardashian with the big lips and the small nose and the heavy contour and, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it either, but I try and keep a balanced perspective. When I look at things like makeup and aesthetics and things like that, it just, it always reminds me of native American tribes that (laughs) wear that wear the tribal makeup or they're putting spikes in their nose Mm -hmm. or they're putting cylinders in their ears. I mean, I'm sure there was somebody around that time that was just like, Hey, you know, you don't got to put cylinders in your ears in order to get sort of self-validation or whatever. Yeah. So the way I'm trying to look at it is that way. Like it's just all expression because fundamentally at the core, I think it's all God. Yeah. Right. So it's hard to say um, what's good or bad. Because at the same time, the people that are being subject to this type of stuff, mm-hmm. they need to be able to take accountability for their own life mm-hmm. and develop that strength to not overly identify with these other people they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think that all it all to me always traces back to um, awareness and of of the polarities that exist in our world, which is having a balanced perspective. Yeah, I read a. Um, I thought that this was interesting, and I wanted to bring up models. Mm-hmm. Okay, like women who are in the profession to be objectified, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is their, that's a a conscious choice to do that. And I saw this, I I saw this uh, like kind of like historic when I was doing a little research for this show, um, this Gucci campaign and yeah, Gucci. And, um, and this woman came out and had a G shaved into like edged into her pubic hair. Oh, like that spot, the Gucci G. Like you know? the hood above, like the, yeah. the top? Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I was thinking about that, like, and fashion is, and high fashion is just modeling this, the whole nine is such an objective type industry, you know? And, but playing devil's advocate here, like, the girl who is participating in this, like, maybe this is her form of artistic expression. You know, maybe she takes pride in her work and she really enjoys this that's what they say you know and if you ask somebody asks them that question that's probably what they would say right 
you know, but it's like, where, where do you draw the line? I, I think uh, it, to me, it speaks to, you need all these different objections mm-hmm. and you, all these different types of people that are telling you that it's good and it's bad in order to be able to formulate your own conclusions. Yeah. And I think that even though you form a conclusion, it's still not a definitive. Mm-hmm. I think it's just perspective. Yeah. Like all of these, the, in, you know, the light in, especially in light work that we always acknowledging the light and the shadow working together those can be looked at as the same thing. You have a lot of goody goods on one side of the spectrum that are doing everything right. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these people that are just fucking shit up on the other. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. both of those, you know, are always going at each other all the time. You know, it's like, like Batman always needs the Joker to exist. He's the most mm-hmm. worthy adversary. Mm-hmm. Like they need to have each other in order for this balance to exist. And the same thing with, you know, the Satan and God, mm-hmm. you know, but what Satan doesn't realize is that, he actually is God. So they're both the same force, just bouncing those sort of ideologies back and forth at each other. And I think the whole point isn't to eradicate one or the other, because if we got rid of all the bad in the world, we would have no sense of what's good and vice versa. Yeah. So I think the whole point is using all those experiences as a stepping stone for awakening. Like that a stepping stone for awakening. Yeah, because you need to have all of those experiences. Even when you think back at all of the most traumatic and also the the greatest experiences that you've had, they've helped cultivate the person that you are now, which happens to be you know this this woman that's on this quest for enlightenment and awakening. Now, there's a chance that if you didn't go through those experiences, you wouldn't be here in this this field. Oh yeah, you know oh, I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that just from a from a personal space, right? Yeah. I, I had a really rough childhood and growing up was, was hard, you know? Mm. And because of those experiences, I saw hate and ugliness like really early at a young age whenever, and had to grow up really fast, you know? And as an adult, you, and you're able to take an inventory of your life, you really understand like how that hate and ugliness has really changed you in a way in a positive way right right and who was it that was telling us that story oh gem goddess whenever she was on and she was talking uh, talking about being in school and her teacher uh, asking her to share a a negative experience that uh you know turned into something positive and she used the death of her father as the negative experience that ended up being something positive and she was judged for that right Right. like her teacher judged her and was like oh how could you say that you know But um, everybody has to live their own experience. Yeah. I can't live, I can't live experiences through you, just like you can't live ex- experiences through me. We have to do that ourselves. Right. I had a in, in that I had an experience very similar to what the gem goddess had gone through when I was in uh, I think it was tenth grade, where you know how they have those uh, I think it's a social studies type of class where they have you um, participate in debates. Yeah. So you pick a side mm-hmm. and you have to present your argument and so as a way to sort of combat the you know, the, the belief of the other, the person that you're debating with, mm-hmm. I actually chose, um, abortion, whether or not it was something that was good and whether or not it was something that was bad. And no. that's something that you could talk about in school Yeah, when that we was, were in school, right? Right. And that was something you could talk about, but they weren't very clear to me as to, you know, how deep down the rabbit hole that you can go. Yeah. Now I believe that everybody should have the option to, you know, do whatever they want with their bodies, but mm-hmm because I was younger and this is just sort of the stance that I took is I, I chose um, against abortion. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I thought, okay, let's just go to the source. 
um, which is something that I invoked growing up and, and as I get older, which is like, you want to get down to spiritual freedom, you got to get to the very core of what you're trying to look for. Right. So when I did that with this class, I ended up finding photos of abortions on the internet. Oh my God. Yeah. I printed them out. Holy shit. It brought them to the class. Oh my Lord. I passed them out to the kids. <gasps> Eric. Upside down on the table so that, you know, so that they can flip it over and see. No. And. Did you get suspended? I, I didn't get suspended, but I got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Right. Because in, it, that is, a, that is. Uh, just curious. I was a teenager, so I wonder, like tenth, ninth, tenth grade. Oh, okay. I I was that old. Okay. So obviously naive in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but you know also the social justice warrior. Um, yeah. Part one. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I I did that, and um, there was truth in that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But when you're a kid, there are things that are appropriate and things that aren't. Right. And that for that classroom and for that teacher was inappropriate. Right. Even though the truth was there. Right. Right. And I'm not going to take a stance on for or against. That's just the stance that I took at that time. Right. And even though it was the truth, it's it's an ugly scenario that did not get, award me any points um, during that time. I actually got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I mean, just with the whole um, graphic photo um, in Singapore and, and other countries, other Asian countries, um, they have photos of cancer and abortions and things like that on the outside of cigarette packets. Mm -hmm. So, and there you, when you buy a cigarette packet, you're literally carrying around like right. a photo of somebody with like gnarly oral cancer with their lip falling off or right. a dead baby or whatever. I um, mean, it's to discourage people from buying, right? right? And to show them the risk that, you know, that cigarettes carry, you know, mm -hmm. nicotine carries. So um, I think it's really interesting that I would never fly here. I'd never fly in, fly in the States, but it's in interesting how they do that in other countries. Yeah, like we, we, I can see the pros and the cons. And I like you can tell by my conversation that I, I try and keep a balanced perspective. It's hard for me to identify something as being entirely good or entirely bad. And there yeah, was this story that I read. Oh, I didn't read. It was actually from a documentary called Fierce Grace with Ram Das, And they were talking to this family that, their daughter committed suicide and they were just so destroyed by it. And uh, Ram Das flew over to them or they flew over to Ram Das and they wrote him a letter in advance and were like, hey, we can't understand why God took our daughter away from us. Like, we don't understand like why this happened. And they were destroyed by it. They sounded like there, there's so much tragedy and chaos in the world. Like, why, why would God allow this to happen? And Ram Das just um, responded with, you know, it's not that, these things are negative or bad. I mean, obviously, it, you should never hurt another person or take somebody else's life. But when you're looking at, you know, the hunger, the people dying from hunger in other countries, when you're looking at the um, income inequality in America, when you look at, you know, people, all the atrocities that come along with regular everyday life, mm -hmm. as far as Ram Dass' perspective, and I also think from the Buddhist perspective, like there are people on this planet that are going through various levels of karma mm -hmm. that are attached to probably several other lives that they've gone through. And there's a very specific reason why they're going through the motions of these things. And from the universal perspective, it's not about what's good or bad. It's just about God trying to understand or God trying to gain perspective through the vantage point of people. So when we see things that seem to be sort of atrocities, what we can also see is God you know, 
going through these experiences in order to understand itself, but at the same time, these experiences existing so that people like me or you mm-hmm. can develop ways to, uh, you know, help people cultivate more love, right? Because a lot of these teachings that we're talking about, we're talking about a lot of shadow, we're talking about a lot of light, but all of these polarities need to exist for us to even awaken to yeah. The higher self. The higher self, yeah. That makes that makes sense. There's a much bigger bigger thing at work. Mm-hmm. And it needs both of those things to exist in order for us to get to that point. I think that's what the the chakra's journey from the root to the thousand petaled lotus is all about. It's about at the very beginning, it's all about survival. There's this this fear of being a of, of being killed because you somehow just think that you're human, but as you get past the heart chakra and illuminate all the other chakras above it, you start realizing that that sort of perspective of death is arbitrary. Like you can't die. Yeah. So you sort of awaken to the fact that you are an eternal spirit, but you could have never gotten to that place unless you've gone through your share of atrocities and your share of difficult situations. For sure. So there's gotta be a, a, a platform for those things to exist. So if we were flowers, I think that we would both be lotus flowers. Because yeah. they have their, their roots and they grow out of muddy, murky, dark waters. Yeah. And then, you know, grow into something beautiful. That's on true. The surface. Yeah. How about that shit? I love that shit. <laughs> I lotus. I I saw a few lotuses at a botanical garden a while back. And it's so cool that they do that. It's a really, really great example. Mm-hmm. You know? Mushrooms too. Yeah. yeah. They're just growing like spores out of the ground. I've seen actually some in Pasadena. Oh, have you? Just walking all, I was walking all willy-nilly down the street and I just happened to see some <laughs> growing out of a tree and I was like, whoa. We're like, whoa, yeah. Yeah, you know, those are like, just like this crazy neural network. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. What was that mushroom? Did you watch that mushroom documentary? Oh man, I wish I could remember which, which the name one? of it. Oh, it was an awesome one. Yeah. And it, it had, um, it had footage of like the neural network that they create underground. Oh yeah. As they're growing. I think it's I know which one you're talking incredible. about. Incredible. Yeah. I've seen. Um, I saw it at lightning in a bottle. They yeah. did like a little, um, yeah, shit. We were talking about the other day, maybe it would have been on the podcast, but not, not about like us, our existence, like our life is like a sort of like a, a neuron or a synapsis in the mind of God, mm-hmm. right? So every thought that you think from the galactic perspective, so basically see fantastic Earth. Fantastic fungi, that's what it is. Fantastic fungi? Yeah, fantastic fungi. That's a documentary? Um, it's, it's a film, yeah. Oh, it's a film? Yeah. Fantastic fungi. I want to be a fantastic fun guy. You are a fantastic <laughs> fun guy. You're already that. Did you like, did you see what I did there? Yeah, I saw what you yeah. did there. Uh-huh. Yeah, fantastic fun guy. But the reason why I bring this up is uh, we were talking like, say, think of earth as like a big head mm-hmm. or think of just a solar system as like a body. Mm-hmm. And then think of us human beings as being neurons inside of that head. Mm-hmm. And as we think, we're creating full thoughts in the mind of God. And I think of like, things like mushrooms, once you tap into those, like you're tapping into probably one of the strongest sort of ideas and, and perceptions of the galactic sort of source energy. Yeah. So why it blows your fucking mind, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So taking it back to what we were talking about, um, gender roles, I, I think I'm all for, uh, female female equality but women have been made to feel like being a woman is not empowering and i think men really need to to change the dynamic basically what i'm trying to say is like women it's almost like they're striving to um 
do all the things that men do as a way to prove that they're equal. Right. As if somehow the things that they already do aren't enough. Right. Like they're not yeah. seen as valuable, but they are. They like are. women, yeah. female energy, I think is the moderating force in our universe. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely, yeah. like the earth is a feminine energy. Mm-hmm. You can tell just by the way that it moves and the way nature communicates. Mm-hmm. And also even just in the, the softness that a female has, like there, there's something about a female, there's female energy that I think permeates the cosmos and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for men to show up for that yeah. and to create a safe space so that women can fully embody that. And I think the best place to start is by acknowledging the fact that like women are fucking powerful, you know? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not about like you know, maxing out the amount of labor that you can put into a 40 hour work week. It's about really accepting your masculine and your feminine traits inside Mm -hmm. and celebrating both of those in balance. And as a man, we need to be able to show up for our women by being solid in ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, because the whole reason why we got into this mess is because men didn't protect women. They didn't make them feel safe. Yeah. And then on the outside of that, women develop this sort of hard, thick skin against men. And we ask for it in a lot of ways mm-hmm. through our media, through um, how we objectified women in the past. So I think we're part of the age of Aquarius that we're coming into is about men are going to start taking responsibility for the fact that we have contributed to that. Mm-hmm. But also women are going to embody that power and become like teachers to all of us. Yeah. You know? That was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it happen, Jen. Yeah, you know. Well, what this are, was this was really fun. This was a fun, fun episode. It was. Yeah, and I really I'll, enjoyed talking about this. Yeah, me too. I'll send you over the coochie consultation so you could send it over to your cronies. I'm just kidding. J slash <laughs> K. We, what we can do is we can put together a gathering and um, you know download it as PDF and then print it up as a document and then we can sort of circle around the fire and just throw it into the fire and have this sort of like full moon ceremony around it. Seriously, seriously, this poor girl, somebody give this girl a hug. Yeah, I know. She needs a hug. She needs a little, a, a little real love. Yeah. Not sexual love. Yeah. Just yeah. good old fashioned love. Good old fashioned love. Just a, you know, but she, she may very well be on the right path considering she's so young. Mm-hmm. She's going to, she's going to continue going down that road of meeting men that will sort of feed into that. And then that one guy will come. I mean, there's always a pendulum swing, right? One guy's going to come. She's on the very extreme end, so she'll start coming back. Yeah, that one guy will come, and he'll be like, hey, look. Look at me. Yeah. What, what, is, what are we you doing? Don't have to act like this. He's going to be like, what are you doing? What yeah. are we doing here? Yeah. What is the goal? <laughs> like, you don't, need, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. And she'll be like, oh. Oh, okay. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe hopefully... I'm glad that we planned her life out for her. Yeah, by the grace of <laughs> grace of God, hopefully um, she runs across this podcast and she, you know, finds get some, some therapy. Yeah, some therapy in it. Yeah, get some therapy, my friend. Yeah, yeah, get some therapy. Yeah, it was fun. This is a really good episode. We'll talk more about this some other time. But thank you all for tuning in, Divine Nobody's podcast. You can also find this episode on YouTube. You can like and subscribe to all the things. We post these things weekly. We also have clips and things like that, but you can also find us on IG. Divine dot nobody's, I don't even say dot, divine period nobody's period podcast. I think that's good, right? That's good. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Namaste, friends. Namaste.